We continue worshiping God as we come to today's gospel reading from the Gospel of Mark in the 13th chapter, starting in the 24th verse. As you're able, I invite you to stand with me for the reading. But in those days, after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken and they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branches become tender and put out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. The gospel of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Are you like me? Are you motivated to clean the house when you know the guests are coming over? Are you motivated to get that homework done when you know the due date is now upon you and someone will be looking at your work? Is the deadline at work or maybe even an impending vacation allow you to get so much more done than you seems like you normally do? Under pressure, are you more motivated to get it done? Winning teams often score more, most points or more points in the final quarter than those who don't win. In today's reading, we're called, we're called to live like the guest is about to arrive. To live like the grades are about to be accounted for. Like the clock is running out on the game or that the master is coming home to see what we've done. Life in eternity with Christ the King or life in hell separated by God lie in the balance. I know what you're thinking. Sounds a little like a fear tactic, doesn't it? How could a loving God command us like this? But I want you to think about these words of warning this urgent message, not as a fear tactic, instead as a message of love. 
Showing the countdown clock at a game is only fair to both teams, right? Giving the syllabus prepares and warns and guides the student. Getting a job description lets the employee know what is expected of them. That text from mom reminding you she she might be home soon and there are chores to be done is a helpful reminder. God's word today is a word of preparation, a word of warning, and a word of love because He wants to be with us. True love also demands true justice. If you care about the poor, about right and wrong, about truth, and about love, then these clarion call warning words, reminder to stay awake, are about love. These readings are for you too. I recently read, just this week actually, about the frenetic pace prosecutors in Germany are going after former Nazi criminals, who are now, many of them, in their mid, even later 90s. These, in fact, I read about a 95-year-old who was responsible for 36 thousand deaths just prosecuted recently reported this last week why because we just can't let it go we can't let those kind of atrocities go if you want to live in a world that is just God who created heaven and earth doesn't let it go either An accounting is coming. Judgment will come. Christ the King doesn't just let evil reign. Because God loves us, however, this word reminds us that there is more than just judgment. That yes, indeed, the exile of God's people will come to an end. And although we don't know when this day or hour is, because He loves us, He gives us fair warning. And more importantly than that, He makes it possible for us to hold on to this gift of salvation and faith that He Himself has won for us. John Plus put it this way, it's this Jesus who will come again to judge the living and the dead. The last days are not out there somewhere in the future. You are in them now, he writes. The church has been living in the last days ever since Good Friday. To live in the last days is to live on the threshold between time and eternity. How close we are, we do not know, but life can be and is deceptive. And so we get this warning to be awake, to be ready. We get three movements in one song, but a similar refrain keeps coming back. In each of our readings this morning, hold on in Isaiah, hold on in Hebrews, hold on in Mark. 
God's refrain isn't to be played in some picture-perfect moment. It's in the reality of life. And so, as we look at these three movements in these texts this morning, we'll consider what it means to hold on to this gift of faith, this gift of life, this gift of, yes, justice, but also clearly love. In Isaiah 51, the political climate wasn't stable. Those faithful to the one true God were being persecuted. And no one was really sure at that point if the exile would ever really even come to an end. They knew that their sin had got them in this predicament, separated from their homeland, separated from God's promised land. But they also knew that a humble, repentant life would would be the answer, although it wouldn't fix all of their sufferings. One commentator reminds us that we get incentives in the book of Isaiah, especially here in 51. The nation of Israel had had a hearing problem. They weren't listening. But now they were reminded to come anew to his word, to keep listening. And as they did, they would discover a God that is a world changer. We don't like the way the world is now oftentimes. And neither does God. The difference is that he can change it. In Hebrews, we get more. We discover the who, the what, the how. As we are called to hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. A high priest who ushered us into the very presence of God. The curtain that separates us is torn in two when Christ died on the cross and ushers us in now into the presence of the living God who loves us, who's a world changer and wants to transform our hearts and the world around us. Dr. Jason Lane puts it this way, by this point, wherever Christ reigns, there is forgiveness and life. And he shows that that victory is being accomplished in us now until everything is consummated in Christ's return. And so the exiled are given hope. The lost are being ushered into God's presence. And in Mark now we get more of the when. The urgency to be ready because the last days are upon us. Although we don't know the hour, we do know the why because Christ is King. And Jesus tells us heaven and earth will pass away, but His words will not. And so we hold on in each of these readings to God's Word. And in obedience to His Word, we share it with the world around us in love. Most trees in Palestine are evergreen, but Mark reminds us that the fig tree is an exception. When the leaves show up, we know that spring has come and summer is near. This isn't a parable this time about 
despair as we see this fig tree, but a parable of hope that Christ is coming. And so we don't need to live in fear of his return, but we do need to be ready. What do we do? We hold on. We hold on as theologians call it the full counsel of God. That is both the law and the gospel. As we hear in our readings today, we hold on to God's good and righteous word on how to live. And we remember that we always fall short. And so we're in desperate need of the gospel of the God who ushers us in by grace through faith into his very presence. We hold on by faith. Not our good, but His. Not our plan, but His. Not our strength, but His. And we don't need to hold on with fear when we have the full counsel of God. I've told the story many times about the famous flying Wolanda family using them as an example of faith, but there's a tragedy in their family story. It happened some years ago in Puerto Rico where the patriarch of the family died attempting to cross a high wire there. His wife tells the story that unlike other events, for months he'd been thinking about this in fear, waking up with a worry and consternation. And that fear eventually led to his death. You and I, we live oftentimes on the high wire of life. It is hard and it is dangerous and it is scary. But empowered by the gospel, we can live without fear. With the promise of the gospel, we can await the coming of the Christ, the King, without fear. We can know that God comes in justice and in love because he is for us. And while he won't just let it go because he's a just God, he will have died on the cross for all those who know this promise and receive his full counsel and the redemptive power of the cross. And so we hold on in body, mind, and spirit. We hold on to His truth, the doctrine of faith. We hold on, as Jesus said, because heaven and earth will pass away, but His word will not pass away. And so we hold on to that word wherever He calls us, at home, at work, in recreation, with friends in what we're called to do in every aspect of life, we hold on. We hold on by responding to His truth through love. So because we have been forgiven, we forgive. Because we have received mercy, we share mercy. Because His Word has been poured out in our lives, we share the truth of His Word. And so whether we are loved or hated for it, we hold on. Whether we're hated for holding on to His Word or because we love those who hate us, we hold on. We hold on regardless of the climate. 
without despair. In each of the readings today, the climate wasn't good in Isaiah, in Hebrews, and even the Gospel of Mark. The word translated in Hebrew there for struggle in our text today is a Greek word for athlesis, or where we derive our English word athletic. This life of faith is a struggle. The persecution, the challenge before us is a hard-fought athletic contest. And there's nothing passive in this life. But at this point, we remember again that wherever Christ reigns in our hearts and in the world around us, forgiveness and life are found. And so we hold on. And we hold on together. We need each other. We don't neglect meeting and worshiping and gathering. There's a trend today that a post-church Christian, we aren't saved, let's be real, by just showing up to a service. But there's a reason why home teams get an advantage in a contest. We need to be cheered on. We need to encouragement. We need to stir each other on in the truth and hold each other to our, the identity given to us in Christ. It takes Christians to disciple Christians. Our hold isn't dependent on how good our grip is, but the rope of faith that God has given us. He holds us with. So let's remember this day. While heaven and earth will pass away, His Words will never pass away. Let's hold on and receive that precious gift that He has ushered in for us. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted, as the Hebrew writer says, to keep His promise. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus.